welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 22. We're going to get there in just a second, but I wanted to start off giving you guys an update on our uh, two-week missions drive that finished up last week. Um, for the past several years, we have done two mission drives a year. We do one in February for National Missions Day. We just give a lump sum to our missions organization, and then in the fall, we take um, on ourselves to just pick a missionary or a set of missionaries and share with. And this year, I knew... I knew going into this that the economy was bad. I knew the price of groceries had skyrocketed. I knew that gas was going up and I knew that money was tight. And we kept our missions goal the same as it's been for several years now at $1,500. And, and I told God, it's like, hey, not my glory, yours. You come get the money that you want. And if we don't meet the goal, God, it'll be okay. And so I was already prepared for what I, I knew had to be the eventuality that we wouldn't meet our goal. Uh, this year we collected... <laughs> $3,560, more than $2,000 above our goal. And I just want to say thank you guys for doing that. I'm so blessed and honored to be a part of a church that, that loves God. When, when, I, uh, when I thought there was no way, you guys just completely blew it out of the water. So thank you. It's almost, it's almost like you guys love Jesus. And it's almost like you guys want other people to love Jesus with you. And that is awesome. I'm so thankful for that. So I just want to report on that and praise God for that. <clears throat> And thank you guys for that. That was awesome. So let's dive into our, into our message and in our text. I've got a picture coming up here. There's a movie that came out in about 2007 called The Bucket List and had two big name actors in it. One of them was Jack Nicholson who played kind of this eccentric millionaire who was also kind of like the jerk side of it. I'm rich. I can do what I want to. And then Morgan Freeman played the other part of it. He was like a, a car mechanic who had uh, kind of given his life to serving his family. These two find themselves in the hospital sharing a room and they find commonality with the fact that they are both terminally diagnosed with cancer and they both know that this will kill them. So the millionaire and the poor man stand in the room together and they become friends as they go through the treatments. <coughs> Excuse me. They go through the treatments for cancer. About a quarter of the way through the movie, Morgan Freeman sits in his bed and he begins to write a list called the bucket list. Have you guys ever heard of a bucket list? These are the things I want to do before I kick the bucket, before I leave. And he comes up with this list of all these things that he never got to do that he always wanted to do. But knowing he had no resources to do this, he throws it in the trash can to which Jack Nicholson goes and pulls it out and begins to read the list. And he reads Morgan's list of things that he wants to do, things like, I want to help a complete stranger. I want to laugh until I cry. I want to drive a Shelby Mustang. I want to go skydiving. I want to go on a safari. I want to sit on the great Egyptian pyramids. I want to find the joy in life. And I want to kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. And Jack Nicholson goes to Morgan Freeman and he says, hey, I have the money. I have the resources to make these things become true. Let's both promise each other we will accomplish everything on this list. And then the movie is a series of them going and doing these things. Two, two older men with cancer living out life. 
As they come closer to each other, Jack Nicholson shares his biggest regret with Morgan Freeman. He says, I have a daughter, but through the way that I've acted and neglected her and treated her, we are estranged. We don't talk anymore. And Morgan Freeman encourages him, you've got to make up with your daughter. You've got to, got to get to know her again. And after Morgan Freeman in the movie, spoiler alert, it came out in 2007. So if you haven't seen it yet, you know, that's on you. After Morgan Freeman passes away, Jack Nicholson takes the step to contact his daughter and begin to heal the relationship. And in that, for the first time, he meets his granddaughter, who he didn't even know exists. And, whew, tearjerker moment. My, my girls have been away this weekend, so I'm like super sensitive. Uh, this little girl walks up to her grandpa, never met him. He reaches down and kisses her on a cheek. And then he pulls out the list that they've been working on, and he strikes off, kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. Tearjerker, sorry, that's me. But the point of this movie, the point of this movie and the story of it is that when you find out that time is short, your priorities change. You're going to hear me say that about a dozen times today. When you find out time is short, your priorities change. We are finishing up today our series called Bookends. We began in the first chapter of the Bible and we looked at God's story of how we, or the story of how we rejected God. And then we talked about how the middle of the Bible is God's plan to continually be undoing and wiping away sin and the consequences of sin. We've now been looking at the last couple of chapters of Revelation that tell us the eternal state of both those who reject Christ and those who accept him. And we see in this chapter, the last chapter of the Bible, this urging from Jesus, time is short. Your priorities should change. If you've got your Bibles with me, read with me in Revelation chapter 22. We're just going to read two verses and then we'll come back to it. So keep your Bibles open. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of his street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back to that. Now, if you're not familiar with what's going on here, we, here we have John the Apostle. After Jesus has, has uh, died, been resurrected, and ascended into heaven, John is now given this vision of the future and told what's going to happen. And he's been getting like this tour from this angel who has been showing him all of this future, showing him Jesus and showing him eternity as we will see it. And as we get to chapter 22, the angel shows him a river when the banks of the river are the most beautiful trees you have ever seen. Folks, straight from the Bible, the Ozarks are heaven. We live in what we're about to see. But this is not just a regular river and this is not just regular trees. These are special and they communicate something more important than just a place to go view the beauty of, of heaven. This river is the river of the water of life. Last week, if you were here in Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, we talked about this. It says, let me find it. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. We talked about this last week, that Jesus is freely giving away eternal life. And it is compared to the water of life, this thing that, that we can take and live forever and have eternal life. Jesus had the same conversation in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. You're probably familiar with that story. He's talking to her about spiritual water, and she can't understand that he's not talking about the 
physical water. But when she does, she rejoices and calls him the Lord. And what we see in Revelation chapter 22 is this water of life that he is talking about is not just something that has been poured out of his imagination. That in eternity, in the future, there is a literal river of eternal life running through the middle of New Jerusalem. There's a literal river that is made available to you and me. Do I have any Indiana Jones fans in here? Anybody seen some Indiana Jones? Okay, so one, pretty good. Two, absolute trash. Three, the best one. Everybody agree? Good. I'm the preacher. I got the stage, so you might as well agree. Like, that's the way it is. So in the third Indiana Jones, the search for the Holy Grail, there's this, 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 I don't know, urban legend that if you can find the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper, and you can pour water into it and drink of it, that that cup will give you eternal life. Complete biblical fiction, by the way, if you ever get confused by that. What we see in heaven is something very similar to that concept, though, except for we're not talking about a cup of water. We're talking about a river of volume or a river of water now i think about that and it's like why 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 a river why not a pond why not a lake why a river because a river replenishes itself again and again and again it flows continually and it has a large amount of volume i did some math this week and if my math is right our white river down here 150,000 gallons per second travel down the white river enough water to to give to millions of people if they were to need it the imagery of heaven here as we talk about the water of life and eternal life is a never-ending supply flowing in full force and available to each of us and on each side of this river is the tree of life can you imagine how beautiful that will be to sit on the banks of of the river of life to sit under the the tree of life and to look up to where the river comes from and watch the sunset some of you guys will get that when we come back here in a second you guys will be driving home oh i get it Let, let me help you let me help you let me help you in heaven there is no sun and as the water flows, it flows from the throne of Jesus. So if we set up the water and we look up the river, we see the sun set. I'm funny! I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Goodness. All right, moving on. Didn't hit, but that's okay. In Genesis chapter 3, we see this tree of life mentioned for the first time in the garden of Eden and Adam and Eve have access to the tree of life as a matter of fact God said you can eat of every tree in the garden which included the tree of of life you cannot eat of the tree of good and evil and when Adam and Eve sinned God said you will be cast out of the garden of Eden you can go back and read this the reason he cast them out of the garden of Eden he says because you have sinned the wages of sin is death and you cannot access the tree of life so he kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden He puts an angel at the entrance to to guard it so that Adam and Eve cannot come back in to get to the tree of life. And here in eternity, the tree of life is back again. It says the leaves are for the healing. In Genesis chapter 3, it says any who eat of it will live forever. Now what I want to notice about this is where does this all come from? The tree grows along the river. The river flows from the throne of Jesus. And there is your source. Your first take home truth today. Eternal life flows freely from Jesus to anyone who will receive it. And that is why we are here today. If you came here for any other reason than the fact that eternal life flows freely from Jesus and we have received it or we came to receive it, there's really no reason for you to be here. This is why we worship. This is why we sing. This is why we open the word of God because he offers this never-ending supply to us where we may live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever if we choose to partake in it. 
Now what you see in, in the last three chapters of Revelation, this is very reminiscent of the first three chapters of Genesis. There's, there's a great symmetry to the book here. In Genesis chapter 1 through 3, we see a perfect creation that we run with sin. In the last three chapters of the Bible, 22, 20 through 22 in Revelation, we see a ruined and broken creation that is recreated perfect. And Jesus goes on, the Bible goes on to tell us what it will be like. Read with me if you still have your Bibles open, verses 3 through 5. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I want you to notice that the focus of eternity, as we, as we talked to last week, the focus of eternity is togetherness with God. Where he is, we will be also. It's not about us being in a special place. It's about who we are with in a special place. So let's talk about how eternity will affect us and what will be different then versus now. Your next take on truth. <clears throat> Number two. It says, in eternity we will, point A, live in right relationship with God. I'm sorry. Is there anybody not dealing with sinus drainage right now? Anybody? You can come preach if you want to. <laughs> I'll let you. Listen. In eternity, everything between us and God will be completely perfect. There will be no rebellion in us. There will be no moving away from him. There will be no wrath of God on us. We will stand with God and we will experience him just as easily as you experience your family members. You'll be that close to him. From time to time, I have the opportunity or um, the blessing, I don't know, the gift, I don't know what it would be to counsel with couples who are, are dealing with marital problems. Sometimes friends call me and, and have problems in their relationships. And, and what almost always happens is people begin to unload a list of things to me that their spouse has done. Acts of betrayal, acts of attacks, acts of neglect, at times, sometimes acts of cheating. And what I always find from that is, is when somebody is unloading those things to me, they're giving me this, this way of describing why is the relationship broken? The relationship is broken because someone neglected or rejected the other one. You and I stand here today as sinners, and what sin is is when we neglect and reject God. Because of that, our relationship with Him is strained. That's the reason some of us had a hard time this morning, got up and go, oh, I don't want to go to church today, but I guess I will. That's the reason we continually dive into those sins that, that hurt us, that we just can't get away from. Our relationship with Him is strained, and there is a distance between God and us when we are in sin. Now, what's interesting is when we are in eternity with God, we will live in right relationship with him. And you see something here that you see nowhere else in the Bible. It says that we will see the face of God. Now, some of you grew up in Sunday school and you know this story. And some of you have never heard it, but I need you to listen to this because what God is saying in Revelation is very significant about our future. In the book of Exodus, God is speaking to Moses. Moses, one of the most prolific prophets that God has ever used in the history of the world. And Moses gets all full of himself and he says to God, I want to see your face. You would think, well, that's, that's, what, that's what God would want for us to do. We want to see you. We want to experience you. And God says, no, you cannot see my face. Because of my holiness and your sin, if you were to behold the glory of my face, you would die instantly. And so here's the story, what he does. He says, I tell you what I'll do. 
I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock. I'm going to put you in a little hole in the rock, and I will walk in front of you. And as I go past you, I will place my hand over you so that you will not see my face. You will not die. But as I walk away, you will get a quick glimpse of my back. That is how holy our God is, that just to look at his face would bring instant death to us broken sinners. But here in, in eternity, when we spend forever with him, we will behold his glory forever. What the Bible is telling us is that we will live in perfection and holiness in a way that we can experience God completely and fully. Not because you're going to be that good, but because God will recreate you that good. That every mark of sin, every consequence of sin will be wiped away from us. And in that, and in that, in that point B, in eternity, we will gladly serve God. In right relationship with God, we will serve him. Now, sometimes when we talk to young Christians or people who are not saved yet, we're like, I don't want to do that. Like, is heaven going to be like boring church all the time is that what heaven's going to be like i used to think that when i was little like gosh all the singing i don't want to do that like is there a non-singing part of heaven and then we hear we're going to serve god in eternity we're going to serve him and i'm like i guess okay well i guess i'll be a butler i would look good in a tuxedo you know that that would be good maybe god has a car i can change his oil and there's something in us goes that's not what i want for eternity i mean it beats the alternative but i don't want to serve god forever but understand that this, this thing in us that pulls us away is a sinful, selfish nature that says, I deserve to be served. When God wipes the sin out of us, we will find no greater joy in the world, in our lives, in our existence than serving him. And I've got news for you. Even today as a human being, because God created you and he created you for a purpose, you crave to serve God. The entire world has a craving to serve God. It's just at odds with our craving to serve ourselves. There's something in us that makes us want to serve something bigger than us to give us significance. It's the reason we have kids. Kids do nothing for you, at least not for the first three years of their life, except for make you feel just desperately in love with them. But they have nothing to bring to the table. It's the reason that we dive into the Razorbacks because if they could just win, if I could just pour enough of my heart in there, if they could ever win anything, like seriously, one game, I don't care who it's against, I would feel better about myself. I pour my heart into it so that I can give something back. It's the reason that we serve money because if I just serve money a little bit more, I'll have enough of it and it'll make me feel important. It's the reason that all of human history has created for themselves idols that they choose to create and choose to serve in hopes they get something back. It's because deep within us in our hearts, deep within us, there is a desire for our God. And when we get to eternity, he will remove our selfishness and we will find joy in serving in him and basking in his identity. Third point, point C, in eternity, we will find our identity in him. It says here that we will have his names on our foreheads. What a weird thing. You thought face tattoos were getting out of control here in America. We will have his name on his foreheads. Listen, I'm not a tattoo person. That's not a judgment on you if you have tattoos. That's a, a personal conviction, a personal something that's just not for me. But if I was going to get a tattoo, the one that I would get, the one that I've seen, I know some of you have this that I like, is when people take their spouse's name and they tattoo it on their ring finger. Because what that says is for eternity, for the rest of my life, for as long as I have this body, I belong to Jessica. I belong to my spouse. 
And it is a written proclamation to the world. Look at my finger. I belong to somebody. And in eternity, when we are with him, his name will be written on us because the biggest thing about our existence will be that I belong to the king. It is written on me forever. It is my greatest identifier. And I love him with complete joy. Now, as I was putting this message together and I was studying this, I was obviously looking to the future like, yes, one day we'll be in eternity and all these things will be true and it will be great. But then I I realized something about this eternal life that God gives us. Eternal life is not something in the future. Eternal life is now. Listen, Listen to what John chapter 5 verse 13 says. It says, these things I have written unto you that you may know that you have, the key word there is have eternal life, even unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God. Take home truth number three, eternal life is now. The Bible does not say, I write these things to you so that you know one day you will have eternal life. The Bible doesn't say, I write these things to you in hopes that one day God will give this to you. It says that you have it, you are in possession of it in this current moment. Eternal life belongs to all of us who are children of Christ at this moment. And if that is true, and eternal life has these three effects on us, that we live in right relationship with God, that we serve Him with joy, and that we are, I don't forgot the third one, and that we find our identity in Him, why would we wait until eternity to make that true of us? What the Bible is doing here is it's giving us a call to live this way now, to accept eternal life and live with the aspects of eternal life as well, that we belong to Him, we serve Him, and we have a right relationship with Him through what, the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Skip with me over to verses 12 through 17. All that happens in verses 6 through 11 is John gets so overwhelmed, he falls down to worship the angel. The angel says, don't do that. We're here to worship God. But listen to the message from Jesus to you and me, written to us now, before we die, to understand what he wants from us. Verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Here's what Jesus says to us after showing us all of this future. This message from Jesus is, I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and be ready because I am coming quickly. Amen. Amen. There we go. I am coming quickly. Three times in the scripture does Jesus tell us, I am coming quickly. And it brings me to this question, what is quick? Because we've been waiting for Jesus for like 2,000 years. And I don't know if he knows what quick means, but that's not what I think quick means. But what I have learned is that quickness depends on your perspective. Six months to build a house, kind of quick maybe. Six months to change the wall in your vehicle, kind of slow. Quickness uh, depends on your perspective. 
I've heard it put this way. When, when your child time crawls, when your teenager time walks, when you're a young adult, time flies. When you are older towards the end of your life, time flees. As you realize the time is near, your perspective changed and time seems accelerated. Listen, from God's perspective, from God's perspective, Time is nothing. It is just a millisecond. The Bible says this. It says, to the Lord, a thousand years is as one day. His perspective on time is the only correct perspective. Because he is the only one who sees the past, who sees the future, who sees creation, who sees the future creation, who sees eternally. And from Jesus' mouth, he says, listen, from the correct perspective of what I can see, I am coming soon. It is close. So listen, back to what we said at the beginning. Time is short. Priorities should change. Jesus is telling us, I am telling you what is about to happen, and it is time for you to act. Accept eternal life, because soon it will be too late. You know what's interesting about this week is that we may very well be seeing biblical prophecy play out before our eyes on the news. If you go read Ezekiel chapter 38, I'm not going to go there today, but if you want to go look at that, There is a lot of symmetry to what the Bible says will happen to Israel and what has happened over the past week. And I want you to know, and I want you to know my heart, I am not the kind of pastor that wants to cry wolf every time something happens. I'm very, very, very cautious about what I say, especially with end times prophecy, because I don't want to lose your trust by telling you something that I cannot prove to be true and then being wrong. But I'll tell you like I told some friends of mine this week. When it comes to the end times and Jesus' return, all the ingredients are on the table. All that is left is for God to start mixing them in the right order. We are that close to him coming back. We are that close to what we are studying in Revelation. We are that close. It may be, it may be very, very soon, even by our standards. And we know by Jesus' terms, it is very soon. And with that, he says, I'm coming soon and I am bringing my rewards. Take home truth number four is God will eternally reward our work in this life. You ever get tired of working for God? Oh, I know nobody's going to admit that. Oh, yeah, I do. I get tired sometimes. Like, come on, God, nothing's happening. Been putting in all this work. I'm doing all this stuff. Can't I just have some me time? I get there too. It's okay. But what Jesus is saying is the time is soon, the time is soon, your priorities should change because when he comes, not only is he coming for us and we will enter eternity, we will be rewarded according to our work. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a judgment of believers. But in this judgment, it's not a judgment of our worthiness to enter heaven. That's already taken care of by Jesus. When we walk into heaven, here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to go, that one's mine, all paid for, no sin. The judgment that will come for us is that we will give an account for our lives. I, as a pastor, will give an account for what I teach here, what I say to you, how I lead, and how I use God's resources in this church. And based upon our life, God will either level rewards to us or take rewards away. We're his children no matter what. But there are things that he will give us for working for him and things that can be lost for yielding to work for him. Jesus, when he was here, he said this. He said, do not build up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. Don't do that. Those are useless things. This hit me a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm a very mm, planned buyer. When I buy something, I've wanted it for a long time. I, I never sporadically buy anything, almost. A couple weeks ago, my wife said, we have too much junk. We're going to have a yard sale. And when you're a very planned buyer, everything that you buy is very precious to you. So I was like having a panic attack. Like, she's going to get rid of all my stuff. And we put out all the tables in our front yard. 
and begin to sell all of these things, just, I don't know, probably at the time that we bought it, what would have been thousands of dollars of materials. And I realized as I walked around these tables, every single thing that was on those tables was something I once thought was dear and precious. Enough to go to the store to buy it, to buy it from Amazon, to give away hard-earned money for it. And now it's sitting on the dollar table. And we couldn't even give it away for that sometimes. The things here that we have mean very little. Jesus says, don't build yourself up treasure on earth. They don't matter. And then he says, build up for yourself treasure in heaven. And this is what he's talking about. Live your life in such a way that the things you will be rewarded with will go on with you for eternity. He promises us crowns and honor in his kingdom. What he's doing to us is he's presenting to us a scenario where he says, here's what you're going to give and here's what you're going to get. It's like sitting in a job interview. When you go to a job interview, there's always this discussion, like, I want the job, here's the job, and then they will begin to describe it to you. Okay, well, here's the expectations, here's what you're going to be required to do, here's the hours you're going to be prepared to work, and what does every last one of us want to know? That's great, I can do all of that, if and only if the money matches. I want to know how much I'm going to get paid to do what you're doing. I want to know if it's worth it, because if it's minimum wage for all the work you're requiring me to do, Maybe not worth it to me. If it's a huge salary, maybe that's worth it. And what Jesus is saying here is like, here's the expectations. Here's the work that is laid before you. Here's what you can expect as a reward. Here's your, I wouldn't even say payment because it's not anything we earn. It's something he gives to us out of his goodness. That in eternal life, there will be payoff. So in conclusion to everything Jesus is saying, your fifth take-home truth is this. Time is short. Priorities should change. Act accordingly if you are here this morning and you belong to our savior what this calls us to do is to live like it to pour your whole heart and soul into following jesus christ in your family in your job in your church in everything that you do to give it all to him and bask in the glory of a right relationship with him to serve him and to find our identity in him. The scripture is saying, change your priorities because what you're experiencing now and what you're probably putting your life towards is all about to go away in a very short time. Rick, if you want to come up here. And if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted him, what Jesus offers us is eternal life. I love what Jesus says in verse 17. It says, to any who are thirsty, come and he will give you freely. That's all there is to salvation. Salvation is not something that you earn. You don't have to make yourself good enough for him. It's Jesus literally saying, I did the work. I bought this for you. Please take it out of my hands. And today is a day for either us as Christians to say, God has given me this salvation and I'm going to live in it to the fullest extent. Or it's a day for us to say that I don't have this, but I want it. This morning, I want to invite you guys to come up here. This is always open for prayer. I'm always here to talk with you and counsel with you. If you do not know the Lord as your Savior, please don't leave here today without Him. Let's stand and worship. Thank you for joining us this week at Ramsey Heights. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and if you did, feel free to share it with others. If we can help you begin to follow Jesus or grow in your relationship with Him, join us on Sundays or connect with us on social media or our website, ramseyheightsfamily.online.